ready for a new and exciting topic? The Real Estate and Mortgage Show is back with your host, Walter Montero. He's a real estate and mortgage agent in Ontario, implements internet marketing strategies, and offers an online course to invest in private mortgages. Let's listen to this fascinating episode. You will surely learn much from this talk. I saw on your phone uh, that you were calling in from California, correct? Yeah, that's correct. I'm in San Diego. Great. And if I'm pronouncing your name correctly, it's Axel Meyerhofer, correct? Yeah. Hey, almost like my dad. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Cambridge is about uh, two minutes from a city called Kitchener. Kitchener's old name was New Berlin. So Ah, there's lots of lots of Germans in the area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, you did excellent. I'm probably the best I've heard in a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Very good, very good. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, and uh, what you do and uh, how things are going. Yeah, so I'm actually, as you mentioned, originally from Germany. I came to the United States 26 years ago with the Air Force because I was one of the crazy people who fly around in jets. And there is an exchange program between the U.S. Air Force and the German Air Force. So I did that. It was supposed to be only for two or three years and uh, it extended for almost six years. And by the end of that, my daughter had basically gone to school here and we gotten settled and enjoyed the good weather and all of that. So I said, well, is there a way to stay and found a company who sponsored me to basically become on the one hand employee, but also do all that immigration stuff. And then in 2005, I started my uh, first business. And in the last few years, uh, well, I should say out of that first business came the notion, how do I ever get anything done for retirement so I don't have to work forever? Yep. And if you think about it, at the time when I started that, it was like the, the dot-com bubble had burst and people had had really bad experiences with the stock market. So I looked for alternatives and ended up going into real estate. This is pretty much amazingly 20 years ago now. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, yep. But I initially did it just for myself with the, with the interest to say, well, if we can get a few properties, maybe over time that can help us make passive income and, and ultimately develop uh, retirement income and as i kept telling people more and more about it they kept encouraging me to say hey you know you did this deal and this sounds amazing i never heard about that being possible you should put some of this out and that's when i decided to uh, create what we call idea wealth grower which is basically the entity that we're using and what we're doing there i have found for myself because i'm a business owner because i'm in san diego far away from a lot of well-performing markets the only thing that really worked for me was to make everything possible as a turnkey deal where everything is done for you and all you really need to do is collect the income pay your mortgages and stuff like that and that's pretty much the extent of it okay and so that's that's what idea red grower does in a nutshell to answer your original question we help people who want to do the same thing that i do uh, and find residential real estate that they can own in a turnkey way and there, as i've been doing it more and more it's kind of amazing how many different opportunities are there it started out just with me in my initial neighborhood i have actually a few canadian uh, clients by now because okay. we figured out a way how to take care of the tax situation and the entity situation and what i find i'm sure walter you have found this too is when you start developing systematic approaches it makes things ultimately easier right so i have a certain approach for people who are non-residents and non-citizens we have an approach for 
people who live in, in, are in the United States and want to get maximum cash flow. And we have another approach where it's more a combination of appreciation, which I know in Canada is totally off the charts. Yes. Um, yeah. But on the other hand, you know, when the entry price is getting so high, which you guys have probably realized, and the, the few Canadian clients I have, they all say, well, I can't believe I can get a house like that for this price. Yeah. Right? So it's basically either cash flow or a combination of cash flow and appreciation. And gotcha. my work is basically as the mentor, I have developed all these relationships for myself originally, and now I'm sharing them with our mentoring clients. But it's also, you know, to really have somebody where, you know, if somebody finds something and they are mentoring client to say, hey, Axel, can we go over this, look at it, shine the light on it from all places to see, is it a good deal? Should I do it? Does it meet my, my long-term long goal? Gotcha. Okay. Now, with regards to, um, uh, first of all, your entry into the real estate market uh, 20 years ago, you said, or 20 plus yeah, years yeah. ago. In, in what capacity did you enter the market? Did you enter it as an investor or as an agent or how, how did that all play out? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess the best way to describe it, that's why I'm chuckling a little bit, is kind of like the unintended landlord kind of approach. Oh, gotcha. Uh, okay. And it yeah. came a little bit to the fact, you know, I mentioned that I was with the Air Force, you get moved yeah. around and, you know, at the level that I was as a staff officer, you're not normally qualifying for base housing or anything like that. So, and I always felt it would be beneficial and has been beneficial to live in the community. Gotcha. But then when you think of the circumstance, you get to a place, you don't have a very long time to find something. But then by the time they say, okay, two years, three years later, okay, you're moving on to the next station. That might not yeah. be the ideal time to sell, right? Yeah. And, yeah. And, and it was also sometimes when we got to a place, the only option was to buy something rather than rent, which yeah. would be more normal for a military officer. So we ended up like we had a, a property in uh, in Alamogordo, New Mexico, <laughs> one okay. of the first ones. Yeah. We, we moved away and it just didn't make any sense to sell it at that moment. So we became accidental landlords. Gotcha. And okay. then we got a property in Santa Fe, New Mexico, because I was there with Los Alamos and stuff like that and Kirtland Air Force Base and moved away, rented that. Right. And yeah, and there were also some kind of interesting stories. You sometimes get an interesting call from your property management, at least I got. And, you know, and so I learned more and more what are the ins and outs and, the thing is, I'm one of these people, and I, I always hope that that is beneficial to any client that comes to us, where I say, okay, now that I have kind of tipped my toe in a little bit, I really want to understand more. I really want to comprehend what's with the lending, what are the different contracts, what's the property management, what's a fair fee that they charge me, yeah. what is over the top, what would I like to see? Like Just a little example, it makes a huge difference to you anybody in your audience listening, when you think about it, I have one property manager for one cluster of my properties where they have what I call a little group of handymen. Okay. And, and they don't work exclusively for that property management group. But what happens is they have one lead handyman, so to speak, when any tenant says, hey, this is happening, this is happening, that lead handyman goes out, looks at it, and he's one of those jack of all trades. If he can fix it right away, he does it. His hourly rate is 50 bucks plus parts. Yeah. Right? If anybody has ever seen anything in property management, that is very unusual. And then if, yep. if that handyman says, well, this is something that I don't know, but I know Joe or I know Walter, he yep. is the wizard on air conditioning or is the wizard on plumbing or whatever. Then they bring that guy in. And again, it's parts plus 50 bucks an hour. 
if you look at the alternatives that you oftentimes see where they just get a call and then they call a plumber in town and they charge you a hundred bucks just to show up, nothing done yet. They just, yeah. You know, yeah. So yep. those kind of little things, I got curious, how can I actually maximize cash flow? Because not just for myself to say, I don't want to work forever, but also when the first people who there was no official, there was no website or stuff came and said, can you help me? We always go through this process to say, what is really your long-term goal or what I now call, what is your time freedom number? What is okay. that amount of passive income that you would like to reach where you can say, if I had that money every month, I wouldn't need to work anymore. I need, wouldn't need to worry about money anymore. I would be comfortable. That doesn't mean I have to quit my job, especially if I like it, but I could. Right. right. And, and so we established that. And what I found, then it becomes a task for people who have their number to say, how can we generate that number with good quality properties as fast as possible? Gotcha. Right. And that's how, how we look at it. And, and those little things to say, do you pay on every repair is three, four, 500 bucks or 150? Yeah. That makes a difference. Right. Sure. It does. Yeah. Now with regards to the types of properties, are you uh, strictly investing in single family properties, multi-units you get into commercial, like you have, you, do you have any specific niche that you look for? Yeah, it's a little bit driven by the government and the lending environment. So I call it uh, residential real estate. And this is because the US government, and it would apply for any international clients, just purely from a taxation perspective, they say basically residential uh, uh, um, has two rule sets. One rule set is anything that is single family, duplex, triplex, fourplex. That's gotcha. one set of rules. Yeah, And then the other set of rules is five or more units. Okay. And that smaller set of rules is basically the same. And this is why I ended up getting into it and stayed in, in it all along. Um, is it's the same set of rules that also applies when you want to buy a property for yourself to literally move in. Gotcha. And what's, what's nice about it is there are many, many benefits, not necessarily better than multifamily or better than commercial. But what is nice when you think about if there were ever, and I say this often to our clients, we don't really plan for it. But if there were ever a medical situation or some other situation where you need a substantial amount of money, then any of these properties would not be just suitable for another investor. If you have a 10, 20, 30 unit apartment complex, the only people who would ever really even consider buying it are basically investors. Gotcha. But if you have a, a duplex or a single family home, it's yes, the investors, but it's also anybody who is looking for a house. So it's a much broader base. Much larger, broader yeah. base of, of yeah. potential uh, customers or potential people to buy it. Now, yeah. the other thing is also when you look at the, the tenant situation, right? Going back to what I said earlier, yes, we want to reach the time freedom point, but we also want to make it as turnkey and as passive as possible. Well, if, if you have a tenant moving into a freshly renovated house, yep. right, and they move in three bedroom, two bath, four bedroom, two bath, it's a nice house, and you rent it to them for a fair rent or lease amount, mm -hmm. normally, for one, you have much higher chance that they treat it like their own. Yep. But then also, as long as it meets that criteria, it's in a nice neighborhood, good schools, you get your shopping done, you feel like you're living in your home, even though you pay rent, it's not a high urge to leave. Yeah. But if I compare that to like any apartment complex, I and this 
you know, I know certain words that we used to be able to use are kind of poo-poo words now, I call yeah. it. Right? But I always used to say apartment complexes are kind of transitory. Yes. Right? Yeah. Like people move in there because they're in a certain life circumstance, but they're on the move to change that circumstance to own something of their own, right? Own their own apartment or own their own house or own something of their own, build a family, stuff like that. I see this even with my daughter. She lives in an apartment complex, but in this transition to something that she owns and that is not surrounded by 500 other people. Sure. Um, so that transitory nature also means that you have way more turnover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And if you think about it in the US, I don't know if, you, if it's the same in Canada, but in the US, most property managers charge you a fee for just a day-to-day, month-to-month kind of yeah. stuff. But every yeah. time you have turnover, in most cases here in the U.S., they charge you one month rent. Yeah, same. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so if you go ahead and say, okay, I bought a $150,000 house at $1,300 rent a month and people don't move out for three or four years, percentage-wise, that one month, these, these $1,300 is not that big a deal. But if you have yeah. an apartment, or let's say you have two apartments, each rents for 700, right? So you make slightly more money on the same original investment, but you have turnover every every year. That is probably almost half of your cash flow just goes in paying property management to finding you a new uh, tenant. Sure. Right? And, and then every time in between, you know, one tenant and the next one, you have to touch up the paint, clean the stuff and so forth. Wear and tear, at least in the US, you can charge the tenant. Yes, yeah. if they break something, then it goes through their security deposit. But fundamentally, if they just lived like normal people, well, you still need to fix it up and clean it up before you can rent it to the next one. So I always calculate a rent and a half for turnover. Yep. And so in my single family properties, most I, most of the ones I have, I think we had one or two turnovers in like 10 properties by now and in, oh, wow. four, okay. in the last four years or so. I, I mean, Great. COVID may have actually helped a little, you know, because people didn't want to move. Yep. But overall, the turnover in single family or small units is way less than, than apartment complexes. So there are these, these kind of um, reasons. The other thing is, I mean, but this is only recently, the single families have seen much better appreciation. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So yeah. that's the other part to consider. Um, the way you calculate the value of an apartment complex is basically on the rent road. Yes. Right? Yeah. So you, you have yeah. rent times 20 units and you calculate how, what's the occupancy rate. And, and to make the value increase, you have to somehow find a way to increase the rent roll which you find by renovating something that hasn't been renovated for a while. Right? Yeah, yeah. So in comparison to that, if I buy a turnkey single family property somewhere in Ohio or Florida or stuff like that, it is renovated. It's basically almost like new at the time of, of sale. Yeah. And um, it, gen it basically benefits from the full appreciation that happens in the area and depending on, I mean, even in less desirable areas or less well-known areas, we have seen 10 plus percent in the last few years. Mm -hmm. I have not seen, unless somebody does a constant revolving renovation on an apartment or multifamily that they can generate that appreciation. Sure, no, I, I, I agree with you. Now with regards to the properties themselves, are you strictly looking for single family properties uh, or are you open to condominiums or 
or is there any properties you you prefer not to invest in? In the well, like I said, from a lending perspective, the the issue is that you have to get completely different financing as soon as a property has more than four doors or four units. Okay. Right. Now, what so about in a single family though? Like, if you've got a single family house with a you know a backyard and all that kind of stuff, or you have a you know a condominium style townhouse that has an undivided interest, is that Still yeah, yeah, yeah. Within that, the radar? yeah, that follow, still follows the, the same rule as long as you're only okay. buying one unit or anything yeah. to three okay. or four units. I mean, one thing that I'm doing right now is I have had a long term relationship with an organization that literally builds brand new fourplexes. Oh, OK, great. Right? And, okay. and that yeah. is that is nice. But you have to keep in mind, because of this crazy market, these fourplexes are running like between 1.2 and 1.4 million now for yeah. fourplex. Yeah. Now, you could go back and say, OK, but well, if I divide that by four, that's like a 350,000 or so um, each individual one. Yep. But for uh, it's not really it's kind of multifamily, but not really like you yeah. know, four is still very small. Yeah. Yeah, but that market has also uh, increased because for the kind of same reason, like the single family or duplex or something like that is people. I think this is one of the unintended, unexpected results of COVID is that people just realize living very close together. Right. I, I used to say a year and a half ago, my running joke was it's very hard to social distance in an elevator. <laughs> so, you know, so if you say, OK, well, I have this fourplex and at each corner of the building, there is an entrance. So I'm I, unless I really determined to meet the neighbors, I'm not really going to run into them. And it's not because we don't like people anymore. Yeah. But this I think the definition of what is my private space? has expanded due to this whole COVID stuff, right? I, I agree. Yeah, and and sure. so from that perspective, you know, a townhouse would qualify just as much. The problem that we have found is it gets harder and harder to find properties where the performance is good, especially when you go to the less traditional stuff like a townhouse or condominium style or stuff like that. A lot of people who offer those on the market want to, realize maximum appreciation but you don't necessarily have the rental income and it's yes. also harder to make the argument right if i say i have a four bedroom two bath house that is freshly renovated with a nice garden and two car garage it is more reasonable to say okay i want to get as close as possible to my one percent price to rent ratio yep. Yep. as soon as you go into a complex maybe it might have been a little bit freshened up but it's among a thing and, and there's tons and tons of them anytime any of that comes on the market people want to make maximum price but you you can't say well because i paid maximum price i'm also getting like a 0 0.8 0 0.9 rent on it yeah right? so when you do that comparison you say okay i can find a place somewhere in ohio or in florida for let's say 150 160 and I can reasonably expect 1400 rent, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and then I go to that same general area and I find a condo and they want basically the same price, but nobody is going to pay me more than a thousand or 1100. Yeah. Right? I'm always saying this is something maybe for your audience also, if, if you want to take one really core aspect that I'm preaching over and over away from our conversation is don't look so much at the price, really look at the performance. Yeah, right? yeah. Like how much do you have to pay? What kind of financing do you get? What rent do you get? And then based on all of that, taking it yeah. together to say, so how much positive cash flow or passive income am I really making? 
if that yep. number in, in relation to what you put into it with your down payment or with your total price is tiny, right? If somebody said, well, I ran all the numbers and if I put a reserve and vacancy and capex and property management and mortgage and insurance and everything, I have $100 or $150 a month and yep. I spend a quarter million, not out of your pocket, but for the property, that's just not a good performance ratio. For sure. Right. That's why I always say, you know, don't look so much at how much does it cost. If you find a $500,000 house and people in the area all pay $4,500 in rent, it's a great deal. Sure. Not that I know any place where that's the case. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I get if it. You could find that, right? It's a yes. way better deal than finding a $200,000 house where you can only get $1,000 rent. Right, right. So it's that ratio that really makes the difference. And when people say, well, Axel, how do you help me to get to my time freedom number? And ultimately the point where I have that choice, do I want to yep. use my time for a job or do I want to use my time to paint or travel or whatever? Then the that ratio, that performance indicator, that calculation is the all important thing that gotcha. really determines is everything else being equal, right? Nice neighborhood, nice property and stuff, that performance means does it take you six seven eight years to get to that thing if you just start now what does it take 15 years yeah okay. and most people want it sooner rather than later of by course the way. yes of <laughs> course so let me ask you now you've mentioned a few states you've mentioned ohio you've mentioned uh new mexico uh florida and of course you're in california yeah. how do you source out these properties? You, you work the entire country like how do you how does this no. play out one thing that I learned over the first few years of doing this stuff is in the end, besides the performance aspect we just discussed, it's really a matter of building good relationships. And this goes to not just looking at your part, right? Walter, if you were to come to me and say, my time freedom number is X and I want to get there in seven years or sooner, right? Mm -hmm. That's one thing. But the other part is also to say, okay, well, what does that mean in reality? Are we really literally looking at, I want one house in Columbus, Ohio, and one house in Memphis, Tennessee, and one house uh, or whatever the unit size is? No. What you really end up doing, and we do this subconsciously almost every time, everywhere in any kind of endeavor like that, is to say, if I find a good partner where they have their business goal, their whole intention is to build a portfolio of properties that keeps increasing and that they can manage for investors, if that's their business model. Well, as long as they do a great job, it's not just the one property you buy. Like I have, and I mentioned the term cluster, I call it a cluster, where I have four or five properties with one turnkey provider. And okay. almost always keep looking, do they have something coming onto the market where I might want to add another one? Right. So what that actually means to answer your question is, well, I mean, California can do it because performance doesn't exist. But like mm -hmm. in Ohio or like in, in I have a cluster west of Chicago, I'm now building my next cluster in, in Florida. The intention is always a grouping. Right. And so ultimately you end up with three or four relationships that you can you know, foster and create and maintain and so forth. And that's also what I refer my clients to. To their benefit because when i already own four or five properties with the turnkey provider and i say hey and my newest client walter is interested in a well-performing property here are the numbers and and the variables please take care of him yes right. they will take care of you but they also know we better take care of him because this is a client for one who's keeps sending us 
new buyers, new investors, yep. and yep. he already has four or five properties. So we're basically, and I hope your audience doesn't mind me saying that, they don't want to piss off the whole community, right? Sure. Not just me, yep. one person who wants to buy one house, but everybody I have sent or keep sending plus all my properties that I have with them. Gotcha. And it's not so much that you constantly need to remind them. They kind of understand it subconsciously. You know, they know this is a particular group of people we better take good care of because it okay. helps their business model, right? Okay. And so I really only have a handful of those and that's plenty. I mean, how many properties do you ultimately need? I mean, I reached my point basically um, with the 10th property. Okay, gotcha. Right now, okay. some people run around and say, I need at least 15,000 a month before I can be satisfied. Well, okay, then you need more properties. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Gotcha. Okay. Now, so when somebody uh, gets involved with your organization, uh, what are the benefits as opposed to this, you know, them just taking it on themselves? What, what do they get? Well, for one, I would always say they get a really broad spectrum of all the aspects that are relevant. And I'm not, I'm not saying I knew all of them when I started, but having done this now for all these years, I, for example, explain to them why they need legal protection, how to get it for cheap. That's not yeah. directly related to real estate, but it's very important. I talked to them and I mentioned this earlier with your, uh, with Canadians, it's even more or anybody non-citizen, non-resident, it's more, even more important. But even for my domestic clients, I get everybody to say, you want to become the Walter Montero Capital incorporation or something like that. Yep. Not just the person who owns a property or builds a portfolio. Why? Because there are all kinds of legal aspects, taxation aspects, treatment aspects, financing aspects that are different when you say this is my company and I can ultimately roll it into my family trust or personal trust versus you are just Axel or Walter owning these properties. So that's an aspect. Then the actual, how do we actually identify properties and how do we establish what do we need? I have a mixture of new build properties, international properties and renovated properties. You might say, well, you know, these, these renovated properties, they're kind of ugly. I don't know how long they hold together. I really only want to do new build. Or you might say, well, you know, I'm intrigued by these turnkey international properties in the Caribbean where I can go for four weeks a year, like maybe in the spring and in the fall and the rest of the time it's all managed. So it's kind of like a business trip vacation twice a year yep, yep. and it performs. Well, if yep. you have a um, new build property in, in Ohio, you can do that too. And I'm not saying Ohio is not a good vacation place, you know, don't <laughs> tell me Ohio, but but it's not that likely versus like flying and sitting for two weeks on the beach in Belize or something like that. Sure, sure. So that's, that's a little bit the, the thing to say, okay, let's identify what kind of properties are you looking at? And then how do we find them? Or how, why do I invest in those particular ones that I can show you? So you can then make the informed decision to say, am I going with the ones that Axel invests in and then you benefit from all my established relationships? Or at least you know now what I'm looking for and you can look in the whole market and as soon as you find one, you can basically analyze it the same way. And in the mentoring package, it's also included like unlimited number of reviews. We run calculations, we check it. And most people in this journey towards this time freedom point after the second or third uh, purchase, 
it becomes much more comfortable, right? All these different yeah. variables, all these legal things, these stacks of paper and applications, you know, my, my service also includes to connect you to lenders. Okay. Each one of these different variables to say, okay, like for Canadians, for example, who is willing to make loans where the purpose of the loan is purely on the performance of the property and has nothing to do where you're coming from or how much money you have or make. Mm -hmm. Right, so that's called a non-documentation loan. It doesn't mean it has no documents. It just means it's not based on your income or your personal yeah. wealth. Gotcha. Right. Okay. So having these relationships, I always say, in a way, it took me 15 years. Now it's not that overnight you will have a 10-unit portfolio, mm -hmm. but you can mm -hmm. definitely shorten the time and avoid the mistakes. Not many, luckily, that I made that you don't have to make anymore. Um, so that you reach your goal faster and more confident, then I, I, there's no secret source or stuff. People can definitely learn all of this themselves. It's just going to take longer than yeah, with help. Right? Yeah, and the learning is, curve is bigger. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's my definition of mentoring, right? I, I sure. update the information that I went through to the current time and then make it available to you so you have the benefit of the experience and avoid the mistakes. Okay. Good, and it's I I I I was assuming that it was mostly American properties that you're dealing with. Uh, you had mentioned Caribbean, so do you, you you obviously deal with international property as well, right? Yeah, I mean there is two additional components. Uh, the international properties I have basically started originally, and this is basically the story for every type of property or every type of opportunity. I always tried them and and tested them myself for certain purposes. Uh, I'm also a fan, even though this is a little bit on the edge of, of this investment environment, I'm a fan of agricultural investments. Okay. Um, so I started out with investing in a cacao farm, uh, mm -hmm. partially because I'm married to a chocoholic. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. And it happened to be in Belize. And so... Okay. Um, they had said, hey, and when you have an opportunity, we do these tours. This was before COVID, right? And you can come and you can look at the farm and get to meet the people and stuff like that. And I said, well, yeah, but when I look around, that doesn't look so pleasant. So I literally went and tried to find something. Where could I stay if I were really doing that? Mm -hmm. And stumbled upon a company who is basically building, literally brand new building, little villages of eco-friendly tiny houses. Right. And I thought, oh, that's kind of cute. Right. And then dug into it and found out they do this fully turnkey. And um, they have two options. You can either stay there for your vacation or you can become a digital nomad and live there. Right. Yep. And, and more and more people, from what I'm told, are actually doing that. So that's how I got into this. So I ended up with a little parcel of a cacao farm and an eco friendly tiny house close to it. Oh, wow. Very good. <laughs> so, okay. You know, well, that's good to know. Yeah. And, and the thing is, I mean, you asked me earlier, what do people get? I mean, they also get to literally say, hey, before I really invest, can you show me some of what you have done? Yeah. Right? And I okay. can literally yeah. show them here's the model, here's the paperwork. And, and we don't have to dive into like, here's where my wife signed, you know, and where yeah. I signed. But in general terms to say, you can see what I did. I can tell you what my experience was. There is actually literally an area that I years ago started investing in. It has performed well, but it's gotten so out of whack that I'm not recommending it anymore. You know, so, yeah, okay. so that's basically in a nutshell, the, the majority of what I do is trying to shorten the amount of time for people to reach their time freedom point. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. And how big is your network? Is there is it a big client base or is it? Uh, no, is it actually, more? because it's it's I always call it like personal handholding. 
Yeah. So we we right now we have a little more than a dozen people. Oh, great. The way, okay. the way it basically works is, as I mentioned earlier, when somebody has purchased like the third or at the latest, the fourth property, there is a little bit of, okay, I'm pretty much familiar with all the things. So my handholding loosens up a little bit and I'm more you know, contacted, hey, you know, I found this deal that I want to add, you know, I think this is right. And this is right. And this is right. Do you see anything wrong? So that yeah. I can spend half an hour, an hour, look through everything and say, nope, you did it perfectly, right? Yeah. Versus yeah. somebody who's just starting out. And it's not that people wouldn't know anything. But there's a lot of, I always say it's the content and the psychology. Right. That's why I also, and I don't know if your your audience might be interested, but one thing you can find for free on my website, it's literally ideawealthgoer.com forward slash free is what I call a mindset manual. Okay. And what that does is to try to determine on the spectrum of you are clear, confident in creating your own future as a creator, or the other side of the spectrum is you feel like a victim of all the circumstances that push you in from the outside. Yep. And you could be anywhere in between. And this manual is two purposes. One is to say, find out where you are on that spectrum from victim to creator. And number two, what are things that you can start doing independent of real estate investing to get yourself more and more into a creator and creative mindset? Because you want to be the creator of your own future, whether you call it time freedom point or not, but to a point in the future where you are um, enjoying life more where you like what you're doing where you may not even have to exchange time for money anymore and so you know like i said i i wrote this because a lot of people contacted me and when we had the first in conversation which is always free you can literally book that on the website um it feels to me and i don't know if you run into this too that people almost immediately start with here are all the reasons why i'm not where i want to be yeah. yeah and most of these reasons are things that happened to them, not yeah. because of their own actions, right? And so I decided, hey, maybe I should put something together, not only for people to realize where am I on the spectrum, but what can I offer? You know, there's a little video series on our YouTube channel that goes together with the manual. Here are some things you can do just to get yourself in a more optimistic, positive frame of mind. Because when you have that, and then you have somebody who is literally holding your help and helping you through the process the first two, three, four times, then you see the results. I always joke that the first two, three, four times, it's it's really hand-holding. Yep. And then it's more like reins because people get so addicted in getting into properties that <laughs> you yep. have to yep. hold on the reins yep. so yep. they don't start running too fast. I've actually had one guy who called me after the third property and he said, I think I'm ready to the, do the next one much earlier than you ever said. I said, what happened? He said, oh, I got rid of my car. I, I don't go out eating anymore. I only use the clothes. I said, that's not life. What the hell did you do, man? Right? And he said, yeah, but I need to save my money to buy the next one. So we had a conversation. About yeah. right? like yeah. He got, got addicted so addicted to the process. Getting, getting the next 20,000, 30,000 together that he basically shut everything down. And that's naturally not the purpose. For sure. Know? For sure. So in terms of uh, your clients then, so how does somebody become your client? And, and how do you charge them? Do you charge them on a monthly basis or do you charge them per transaction how does how does it work yeah actually uh, to become a client the first thing i always said is i want to get to know somebody first mainly okay. also to find out that 
I mean, niche is a pretty worn out term, but the, this relatively narrow frame of like making everything passive, make everything based on performance, make everything basically within this frame of, of residential investing. Um, is this really what you want? Right. Yeah. And that that's what the first conversation is about getting to know each other, figuring this out. And also, where are you financially to start out? Some people already own a few properties. Some people were really doing well in the stock market and they can see the writing on the wall that it's time yeah. to get out. Those kind of situations versus someone who says, hey, I'm young. I understand this. I've looked around. Most people who were ever successful did something in real estate. I don't have a lot of money, but how can I get started? Right. So and, and anywhere in between. So that's kind of what comes out of the first conversation. If then after that conversation, we come to the conclusion, yeah, we want to work together. Then there are basically two options. The first one is to say, kind of like, try it out. If you like the way I, I work with people and that's the seven months kind of time lim limited mentoring yep. program or the more adventurous people, they can say, no, it's the best deal if I just sign up and then I have the support lifetime. And I'm honest about it. Lifetime really means lifetime. I'm not ever going to say, no, I'm not going to talk to you. But the reality is if we've worked together, the longest I've worked with anybody now is three years. And with okay. her, we're checking in maybe every other month for, for a call or so. Gotcha. And so initially okay. it's a lot, it's like almost daily. And then it, it peters off, which also means I can't do 200 people, right? I would sure, not, sure. not do yeah. them justice. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's how it works. So you can either do the lifetime approach or the initial. And if somebody says, hey, I tried the six, seven months and I really like it, then they can basically quote unquote upgrade to lifetime. They just pay the difference. The thing for me is I want people to realize that there's value. And I've had to learn the hard way that if you give stuff away for free, it's not valued. Right? Yeah, so yeah. It's, I believe my wife always says, well, if you ever really add the numbers together, you're working for minimum wage. Yeah. And my response to that is, but I'm not working. I have fun doing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, so sure, yeah it's sure. basically those two options. There's nothing else. It's basically you can say I want to try it for six, seven months, or I just sign up and be connected forever. Okay, good. And how do people find you? What's your website? Yeah, and, like I said, uh, the website is idealwealthgrower.com. Okay. And then if somebody wants the free manual, it's just the same thing, forward slash free, and then you get to a page to get the... Um, the mindset manual. And then the same thing, if you put in ideal wealth grower, just on Google, you find like Instagram and YouTube channel and um, medium articles and stuff. We have everything under the same name. Actually, the thing that you see there in the middle of, uh, of my background is the official United States patent office trademark and name oh, okay. and copyright and stuff. Okay. So we went all the way with that because, you know, there are some nasty people out there who try yep. to use your stuff. For sure, for sure. So, yeah, anybody who just puts in idea wealth grower um, will find us on pretty much all the different platforms. Awesome. Very good. Well, that was great, Axel. That, that very informative uh, conversation, for sure. Now, let me ask you, was there any any question that I didn't ask you that I should have? Not necessarily. I mean, I have a question maybe for you, if that's sure. Allowed. Absolutely. And, and the one question is, what would you recommend? Because I really love working. I have a, a bunch of Canadian friends and I know that you have this this absolutely bonkers kind of market appreciation situation. I would love to help. And I've been wondering, you know, I talking to you and I love that you helped me uh, as a guest, but maybe you have some other ideas what I could do for making people aware 
anybody who thinks as a non-citizen, non-resident, you couldn't actually get into our markets. You know, I love to help people overcome that that rumor or that myth. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, especially in the market I'm in, I'm basically, I'm just outside of uh, the greater Toronto area. I mean, some people will even consider that we are part of the greater Toronto area because we're just an hour outside of it. Uh, but yeah, the average price in, you know, in Toronto is a little over a million dollars now. I think it's at about 1.2 or 3. And in the community I'm in, uh, it's basically sitting at about 925,000. So, you know, a lot of these uh, prices have gotten so out of reach for people that, yes, <clears throat> excuse me, they start looking for, you know, alternatives. And typically, you know, the rule of thumb is that they've gone either east or west. And, uh, you know, they've gone into Calgary and they've gone into the maritime provinces. But there's there's always that um, that uh, the curiosity of the American market and what's involved. And uh, I think, you know, you're you're certainly barking up the right tree here. I think this is an ideal spot for our audience to investigate because, you know, let's face it, some of our markets are just so out of touch now that, you know, seeking alternatives is is ideal. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the thing is, think about my situation, right? Like, I mean, San Diego is not quite that big. It's about 2 million people mm -hmm. total in the San Diego area, but there is just no performance, right? I, yeah. I mean, yeah. properties here are like you mentioned, you know, 1 million, 2 million, 3 million, and performance would mean they would have to pay 9,000, 10,000, 15,000 rent. Yeah. It just doesn't happen, right? Yeah. So yeah. that's my whole portfolio is thousands of miles away from where I live. Right. Which basically my, my point is if, and I know Toronto is a nice place. I mean, to your point about being an hour away, um, my Toronto fans obviously just wait a year or two and then it's going to be part of Toronto. Yeah. yeah and, that, and this is what we've got. Yeah. It's got, you to know, that but, time. but yeah. the, so I can live in a location that I like to live for personal reasons and have all my investments in other places. And that's why I also, you know, when, when I got the call to say, Hey, there is, Walter and his podcast, I thought that would be great because I just want to get the message out that you can sure. live in Toronto and in, in Canada or work, you know, like I have a client, Patreon, you may have heard, or Tamo Fisher yep. Yep. In, in Toronto. Um, so you can live and work there and build your investment portfolio um, in other places. And that's why I always say this is the beauty of this whole turnkey idea, right? Yeah. Is to say, people have this misconception if they buy something, then they have to take the call when the faucet is leaking. And that's yes. not turnkey, right? Yeah, so for sure. If you really learn, and I'm happy to teach um, how this turnkey model works, then you can have properties pretty much anywhere as long as you have a trusting relationship with those who take care of it. Yeah, for sure. No, sounds like it makes perfect sense to me. Awesome. Yeah, cool. So, you know, I sent you the sign-up form then, Walter. Okay, perfect. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just joking. But yeah, no, it was a great pleasure having uh, having had a chance to be on your show. And like I said, I can only repeat myself. I love to help any Canadian friends and, and audience members that you have. And like, a, it's really a matter of, of getting to know each other. So there's yep. no obligation. Get the free call on the schedule. Let's talk about yep. it. And if I can help, I'm happy to. And I'm also the first person if it looks like you have different goals or you have different things to say, hey, this is just not my area of expertise. Gotcha. Okay, perfect. Awesome. Well, th thank you so much for your time. And it was great meeting you. 
Yeah, thank you so much, Walter. One quick thing that uh, my my EA always asks me is uh, when she needs to plan for this to come out. Uh, we should probably have it out in about a week. So this oh, okay. goes off to our editors now, and okay. uh, they'll uh, you know clean up all the uh, you know the ums and ahs and all that kind of stuff, and um, and then we'll uh, we'll give you a heads up via email that it's it's going to be released. Yeah, because she's then going to go and put uh, the links and everything out. I mean, Excellent. We have anything. Yeah, okay, okay cool. perfect. Yeah, even if you want to share some of those links with me, because we can share them into the show notes as well, so people can can uh, access them, um, you know, right through uh, the different platforms, either through uh, Apple or, or um, uh, I can't remember the other ones now, but uh, anyway, uh, if you put those in there, we can we can put them into our uh, into our link. Okay. Yeah. I'll, okay. Uh, okay. Cool. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. Thank you very much. Have a great day. You too, Walter. Bye bye. Bye bye now. You've reached the end of another episode of the Real Estate and Mortgage Show. Connect with us at therealestateandmortgageshow.com. Don't forget to sign up for our newsletter to get instant access to our new updates. See you at the next episode. Mm-hmm.